Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO, Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. Well, Chris, great to have you back. Um, wanted to touch base this week, uh, talk a little bit about President Biden, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, um, a lot of conversation around his infrastructure plan. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically for you, I, I'd love to hear what you think about it um, and really the two aspects within both the tangible and, and social aspects of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think it's important for investors to understand that without fiscal stimulus, not only would we not recover coming out of the pandemic, but quite frankly, we won't be able to have real economic growth that, that meets the needs of the general economy to provide full employment and everything along those lines. Uh, everybody's familiar with kind of what is traditional infrastructure being roads, bridges, and, in, in, you know, the current century, digital infrastructure around supporting rollout of 5G uh, and other elements to enhance networks. Both are, all of that is important. Uh, when you look at the numbers for that traditional infrastructure, those tangible infrastructure numbers, it looks large. If we're going to spend a trillion dollars on infrastructure, I think investors need to keep in mind that this is out a number of years. Um, and while it's needed and it's probably even necessary, it really isn't sufficient to move the needle significantly. And I, w- I would be hesitant to go chase after those key beneficiaries of those trends. The market's been chasing those stocks for some time and bidding them up with the general recovery. It may sustain a, a, a cycle a little bit longer. Um, and so that part's interesting, but it, it really isn't that important to me. The social element of this, I think, is really critical. Um, I think it's uh, terribly important. I, I share everyone's concern who worry about the encroachment onto personal responsibility and the growth of the federal government in everyday lives, and is this going to distort prices and boost the cost of labor? And the answer to all that is yes, it is. But unfortunately, we've made such poor policy choices for the last 20 years. It really is where we are and where we need to focus efforts, and we have to start putting value in and around households and supporting not just formation of households, but really supporting the, the, the nurturing elements of that, which is providing you know, full uh, tax credits, even you know, fully refundable tax credits, even for those that aren't working, for young children that uh, will provide better access to better nutrition, provide pre-K schooling, uh, provide compensation for childcare that is, ter- is really needed. I mean, there's just no question this is needed. Uh, there's too much evidence that shows that, that money invested in early childhood development and centered around family support pays off significant dividends in the future. And, you know, by and large, corporations haven't done the job. Uh, a lot of that's for regulatory reasons. There's a whole host of reasons, just general shifts in, in the nature of the economy. Um, and when the private sector isn't there to do that work and isn't there to provide the real income growth, then we do, in fact, are going to have to rely on the federal government to do it. So I think it's very important. I think it'll, it'll bring some balance back to the wealth inequality. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if this just isn't uh, the down payment. Uh, there will be more to follow. Um, and, you know, we also know that what was thrown out is the wish list. So we'll ultimately be passed, be it reconciliation or a bipartisan legislation, will be something in the middle for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I think you call it a down payment and, you know, this, this high up, upfront cost um, setting itself for, for the long term. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense. 
know, the, the other half of, uh, or another component of, of the conversation around President Biden has been certainly around taxes, um, both corporate and, and capital gains, personal capital gains. Um, I, I guess the, the first part I'd like to hear, how, how likely do you think this is to, to actually pass? Yeah, we're going to pass tax changes. I mean, I think that's a given. Um, and if we don't pass it this year, we'll pass it next year. I mean, keep in mind, um, you know, 28% of personal income is government transfers. And we had a $6 trillion increase in those government transfers last year. So you can strip all of that out. And there's zero income growth, which means zero economic growth, which, again, isn't politically acceptable to either party. So we're going to pass stimulus. And if you're going to pass stimulus, you got to find a bad guy to penalize. The Republicans are going to need to demonize some of it. And, you know, and the Democrats are going to need to find a way to pay for it. And so within that, there's going to be a negotiation. So I think taxes are definitely going to go up. Is it going to be material? Is it going to matter? I, I don't know. I don't think so. So if the corporate tax rate goes from 21 to 25%, is that a big deal? No, that's not a big deal. Um, it'll be a headwind. Uh, it's not going to be good for certain stocks, for sure. But, you know, it, it's not the end-all to be-all and, and a reason not to pass the, the growth and the fiscal stimulus uh, along those lines. If personal income taxes go back for, from 39 and change to the low 40s, again, we've been there before. Um, I think more interesting than the rate moves will be some of the loopholes that get closed. I think from a pure economic impact and speaking specifically to the equity markets, those could be more important than the actual level of rates. So if we eliminate the 1031 exchange, that's going to have significant ramifications in the real estate market. And, you know, globally, the real estate market is probably twice as large as the equity market. Uh, I'm not sure what it is in the U.S., but it wouldn't surprise me if it's kind of same orders of magnitude or, or they're close. Uh, but when you when you look at what that impacts, it doesn't just impact real estate. That impacts pension allocations. That imp impacts uh, bank balance sheets because they have a large percentage of loans outstanding for commercial real estate. And commercial real estate is already in a depression. Uh, we just don't see it. It's happening in the private market. It's this slow-moving train wreck, and these losses are going to be recognized over the next five to ten years. Eliminate that 1031 exchange, and you're, you're going to throw um, on gasoline on a fire, and so it, it won't be good. Um, you know, closing the loophole around carried interest, again, I don't think anybody's going to cry in their beer for hedge fund managers and private equity executives if they have to start paying normalized tax rates. Uh, will that change the economics potentially um, around some deals? Uh, you know, I think the change to the dividend tax rate is is worth watching. Uh, that will impact small business for sure. Uh, you just have a lot of entities set up as S corporations, and whether it pass through or you have other um, entities set up in structures where it's dividends that are distributed, that 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 can have a meaningful impact. So. I'm not here to say any of this is benign. All of this is going to have uh, an impact and none of it positive as you look at the tax situation, but I think investors need to be realistic. We're in a decade where the federal government's gonna be a larger and larger percentage of economic activity, uh, which means political decisions are gonna have a heavier influence in everyone's life. 
And we're going to change the rules of the game. It's not going to be the rules we've played with for the last 10 to 20 years. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of comments here. You know, one, you know, if you mentioned, you know, if we do see you know, corporate tax rates moving, you know, 21 to 25 percent, um, it won't be as meaningful. And, I, and perhaps it may not be as meaningful because of what we've talked about a number of times in the past, how many uh, kind of negative earning companies there are that exist out there in the marketplace. They just simply won't have any uh, any gains to be taxed at a high right. rate. So, so forget those guys. Um, one, one question I did have for you, though, you know, are, are, you mentioned, you know, in the past, you know, we, we've seen uh, capital gains rates increase. You know, are you familiar with how future investment um, was impaired yeah. or was it unchanged? I, I think that's something that people have been th- talking a lot yeah. about. Um, you know, is there, is there any... Uh, um, slow down on, on future progress because of this? The historical data doesn't demonstrate any material shift in uh, invest- investing activity. But I, I do think, I think what you, well, what I would hope you would see is you'd see a slowdown around the, this short-term activity. My concern with all of this is it, it may reinforce a handful of trends. It may, it may end up reinforced passive investing for sure. Um, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with passive investing, except it's gotten to be such a large percentage of the market that it's going to become very dysfunctional. It's going to drive volatility a lot higher, and that may spook people out of long-term investing when, when that shouldn't be the case. Um, you know, the other thing it's going to do uh, to the extent that it creates a desire for investors to focus on the long-term and to buy and hold, you have you're going to have less liquidity. There is just going to be less trading. And so those volumes held by those with that viewpoint are effectively going to be shares taken off the market. It may also end up reinforcing the trends we've seen for some time, which is, um, you know, the the growth factor becoming a dominant factor in the equity markets. Um, So, you know, it, I'm not going to say it's going to be, have a benign effect. I don't think it changes necessarily the dollars coming in to invest but it certainly can have an impact on where those dollars are being invested. And, and shifting gears a little bit, um, you know, uh, Fed Chairman Powell spoke this week, and you know, from him comments, you know, it, it appears that fiscal stimulus is, is becoming becoming the dominant factor. Uh, question here is, you know, do you think that this is signaling the, that the Fed's role will begin to, to fade a bit into the background? Yeah, I think the Fed would love to fade into the background, and. You know, unfortunately, they should have faded into the background in about 2012. They chose not to. They overfinancialized the economy, and they've put themselves in this position. As you say, they've, they've painted themselves in this corner. Uh, they would love to just have the, the federal government uh, open its purse strings and let that be the driver, and they, they just be the financing mechanism. I think that is their Goldilocks scenario. Um, that we drive deficits higher, they monetize those deficits, and they don't have to worry about inflation, and everything's going to be fine, and volatility will be tame, and the inflation we're seeing now, and as of note today, we had, you know, a a print of 4% instead of expectations of 2.6, that it's going to be transitory, and they can just ride off into the sunset. I hope that's the case. I don't think they or anyone else should have a lot of confidence yet that the inflation we see now is transitory. Some of it definitely is. The supply-constrained elements, meaning, you know, steel prices at $1,400 a ton when the market clearing price is closer to seven or 800 the pricing we're seeing with lumber, all of these are reflections of disruptions in supply chains 
With the caveat, it also reflects an unwillingness of labor to come back into the marketplace. Uh, the, the government very intentionally set the extended benefits where they are to drive to that $15 minimum wage. If you look at the enhanced benefits, they get you to $15 an hour. Uh, you talk to any number of business owners, they'll tell you they're having to bid up for labor, and even then maybe the labor doesn't want to come back. So like I said, I think we have very different rules this decade than we've seen for the last 10 to 20 years, and that doesn't exclude inflation. So yes, industrial metals may roll over. Maybe they may roll over. Uh, and so maybe that inflation's transitory. Is labor inflation transitory? We'll see. Is there any reason why in 22 or 23, if in fact we're not growing fast enough, they don't provide even more social benefits, which raises the cost in order to get labor to back into the, uh, the private sector to participate. Um, so you know, here we are, we're right smack in the middle of earnings season once again. And uh, you know, overall, you know, what, what have you seen from earnings? Uh, and you know, specifically, you know, we've noticed there's been some strong earnings beats and really muted reaction from the market. Yeah. So you know, wh what do you think is discounted? What, what do you, what's, what's going on here? Yeah, so when you look at earnings, we're, we're in the sweet spot for the rec economic recovery and for an earnings recovery. And what I mean by that, we're still at those stage where we have accelerated growth and accelerated inflation. So for the most part, people are pricing sufficient, uh, uh, getting their costs pushed through, or they took so many costs out and they haven't re-entered those costs back into the business model. So earnings are just stellar. They're just incredible right now. Um, that was well telegraphed. That's why we rallied like we did in the beginning of November, and we had such a strong rally in the first quarter. That's priced in. I think the real challenge becomes when we get into the back half of the year, when after the base effects, and we see from a rate of change standpoint, revenue starting to slow, rate of improvement in profit margins starting to slow, rate of increase in earnings starting to slow. And when you really look into 2022, and that's what the market's going to be focused on by the third and fourth quarter of this year, the current estimates are for the S&P 500 to grow earnings an additional 15% and the Russell 2000 an additional 30%. And that assumes you reach EBIT margins that are at six-year highs in which, you know, ultimately could be all-time highs, um, that may be a tall order. Um, it, it's unclear that you can get away with the fiscal stimulus necessary to drive that growth without producing real unintended consequences from an inflation standpoint, meaning costs may stay elevated, or it may mean participants just don't come back into the marketplace. We don't get the boost in employment we need, and without that, you're either going to have to bid higher for wages, which hurts margins, or you have to accept lower growth. Either way points to lower earnings expectations for 2022. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see. We just need to wait and see how it plays out in the back half of the year. Good. Well, we'll certainly revisit this, I'm sure, in the next couple quarters again. Um, but, Chris, I think this is a great, great place to stop for the day. So thank you, as always. Um, certainly enjoyed having you on, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you very soon. Sounds good, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. 
This podcast or any podcast in the series does not constitute professional investment advice or services and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.